the teaching ministry of Judah Olorimai, a man called of God to compel consecration, provoke repentance, and inspire worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. God's word is about to hit you as light and strength. Get ready for an encounter with grace. The Spirit of glory. Dear Lord, we thank you for your glory in this house. So strong, so refreshing, so transforming. We give you all the praise, Father. We know, God, that we go from glory to glory, from grace to grace. Even as your word is taught with clarity and your spirit has a free course. We will never be the same again. We will never be the same again. We will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. The Spirit of Glory. Let's read from Exodus 24, verse 16 to 18. As a text. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai. And the cloud. Everybody said the cloud. Covered it six days. Now, you, you must understand that if you read something like this, you should be able to know that, okay, it's not physical cloud. Because, I mean, you shouldn't be mentioning it if it is something physical. The cloud covered it six days, and the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the mist of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. Verse 18, And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount forty days and forty nights. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to be a bridge between heaven and earth. The Holy Spirit is not an earthly spirit. As a matter of fact, in Second Peter um, chapter 1 and verse 12, it speaks about the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. So the Holy Ghost was sent down from heaven, is sent down from heaven, is being sent from heaven. I said, wow. But one of the operations of the Holy Ghost is to be a bridge between heaven and and earth. The first time we read about him in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the earth. And then the Spirit of God began to move upon the face of the waters. You see, the Holy Ghost, the divine spirit, the heavenly spirit always interacts with the earth. It's not an earthly spirit. He is an heavenly spirit. But one of the things he does consistently as revealed in scriptures is to be a bridge between heaven and earth. The realities of this earth are physical. They are natural. And so, the heaven cannot be well understood by the people in this world until the Holy Ghost takes off the realities of heaven and then shows them to the people of this world. Are we still together? If you have never gone to heaven before, if you have never gone to heaven before, some people have had some visions and experiences there. 
you may not be able to even confirm if there is heaven. But the idea is that when the Holy Ghost was sent down from heaven into your life, it's supposed to be a witness, a proof that heaven is real. You have been to heaven. But because the Holy Ghost, his duty is to reveal the reality of heaven. So the people of this world, even without them going there, they don't have to go to heaven to believe that heaven is real. Just by having the Holy Ghost, the Spirit sent down from heaven, you can say, yes, heaven is real. They ask you, have you been there? You say, no. How do you know? Well, the Holy Ghost bears witness with my spirit that heaven is real. So that is his duty. That is his work. That is his job description. So take up the things of heaven and to reveal it to the sons of men. Now the concept we are dealing with this morning, the spirit of glory or the subject of glory. What exactly is glory? Glory refers to, in a sense, the atmosphere of heaven. The environment of God. The fragrance of the divine. There are three words perhaps you should be familiar with just as a foundation to this subject. That's what is called the Shekinah, which we sang about. It is not really in scriptures. That word Shekinah or Shekinah is not in the scriptures. It is just a phrase employed by Jewish scholars to explain the reality of the abiding, manifest, demonstrative presence of God. We know that God is everywhere. You cannot hide from Him. If you go to the waters, God is there. If you go to the bush, God is there. But God does not manifest and demonstrate in every place. So Jewish scholars refer to the manifest presence of God as that phrase, Shekinah. Everybody say Shekinah. In the Hebrew, the word glory is kabod. And amongst many things, it means the weight. They taught us that matter is anything that has weight, occupies space. Is that not so? Did I guess it correctly? There's a thought thing, I think. It has mass. Matter is anything that has weight. That's all. Uh, okay. How do you know that God exists? Because the Holy Ghost reveals the weight of God. That God is not just an idea in the mind of man. He has weight. It's not just a wishful thought of a religious fanatic. There's a weight behind his person. And it is the Holy Ghost by the operations of the Spirit of glory that shows and teaches this truth. And of course in the Greek, the word is doxa. It refers to dignity, it refers to honor, it refers to essence. But the concept I'm trying to teach here is that glory is the environment of God. It's the atmosphere of heaven. And the spirit of glory takes out of that atmosphere and manifests it amongst men. The glory of God is not something that you should learn from a theoretical theological or theoretical perspective alone. The glory of God is a tangible, visible, evident reality that can be experienced. It's not just about definitions, whether Greek, Hebrew or Latin. It's about a real weight, a real substance. In our text, we read it there. In the eyes of the children of Israel, the glory of God appeared as fire. It has a form. It has a texture. 
not some abstract religious jargons that is just used to deceive people. It is real. And every time we speak about it, we have a more likely chance of experiencing it. You will experience the glory today. Every time we speak about it, we position ourselves, we set ourselves up to experience this reality of the glory of God. Now let me give you a few portions of scriptures here where the glory of God was revealed as documented in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 40 is a good place to start. This was at the dedication of the tabernacle. Exodus chapter 40 and um, verse 33 to 38. And he read up the cuts round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the cut gates. So Moses finished the work. Everybody say Parisha. I'm going to be here, not Yoruba. Okay, a couple of people. So I want your parisha to be a bit louder. Everybody say parisha. Parisha. Alright. So the work that Moses finished here was the work of building the tabernacle. Verse 34. Then a cloud covered the tents of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tents of the congregation because the cloud abode there. Now, the cloud prevented Moses from entering into the tent. Do you understand what I'm saying here? It is not something that is not in your mind though. This cloud of glory is not in your mind. It's not, it's not faith. I'm not about faith. It's real substance. It can prevent movement. Are you listening to me? It's not make-believe. So, you don't have to use faith for it. This morning, if you experience the cloud, you will know you experience it. It's not about uh, I believe. I'm, you don't have to believe. It's not belief we're talking about here. If it's something you experience, you will know. It's tangible. Verse 36. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. So they saw the cloud and it determined their movement. It's not like they just had faith for the glory. They, it was something they could see. Something tangible that determined, okay, it's available now, we move. It's not available, we stay. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night. In the sides of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. A similar story in Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 14 and 15. This was now the temple of Solomon. Let's start from verse 13. And see that very long verse there. Second Chronicles 5 from verse 13. It came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one. Everybody say one. I'll tell you the implication of this soon. So make one sound to be heard in the prison and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying for his good and his mercies and just forever that the house was filled with a cloud. Even the house of the Lord. So that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house. So notice in Exodus we see cloud. In Chronicles we see cloud also. Is that not so? Ezekiel chapter 1. And verse 28. 
as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain. In other words, rainbow. That's what, that's what the King James is trying to describe. As the appearance of a rainbow. So was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face. And I heard the voice of one that spoke. You see? So consistently you see in scriptures that the reality of the glory of God is linked with a cloud. Everybody say a cloud of glory. Say louder, a cloud of glory. And that cloud of glory is an atmosphere of heaven. It's a fragrance of God. Everybody has a unique fragrance. In those days when I used to have roommates and our clothes are rumpled up together. And we are not sure which clothes belongs to who. Once I pick my clothes and smell it, I know this one is my own. I have a smell. Is that not so? Everybody has a fragrance. An aura. An aroma. God also has a fragrance. Heaven has a fragrance. So in the day when Moses asked God, God, show me your glory. Exodus 33, 18. What was, what was he asking for? He was, in a sense, asking for a tangible fragrance. The environment of heaven. God eventually answered him in Exodus 34 and verse 6 thereabouts. He says, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you. And then God began to introduce himself to Moses. I am the Lord God, merciful, gracious, forgiving, kind. So, God revealed his glory to Moses by introducing himself to Moses. Are we still together? There are introductions of God you will not find out in Bible school. It's only the glory of God that will show you. You can attend conferences and meetings. You can have PhD in theology. There are certain dimensions of God you will not discover until you experience the cloud of His glory. A lot of people only know God from a theoretical perspective. And listen to me, I am not in any way downplaying the value of God's word, but there are realities that are tangible as a Christian you must go for them. Moses knew. Now listen to me. Moses was a very intimate person with God. God himself said about him that he spoke to him mouth to mouth and face to face. There was no prophet like Moses in all the earth. But he knew that there was more to God. He knew. He knew that there were certain realms he had to experience. He said, God, show me your glory. Don't be comfortable with, I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I'm going to heaven. You have to have a desire, a passionate thirst for the glory of God. And that's why we have set up a meeting like this. Not because we are the one that is giving the glory. We don't have it to give. But we can teach you how to connect. We can teach you how to set yourself up. We can make it comfortable for you as it were. To assess the Shekinah glory of God. Pray the Holy Ghost for a few minutes here. Pray with desire. Pray like Moses. I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory. I've read the Bible, yes. I know God is glorious because the Bible says so. But I want to taste it. I want to handle it. I want to touch it. I want to experience it. I want to experience it. Pray if you are praying. Pray if you are praying. God hears you. God hears you. In the day when Moses cried, 
Perhaps nobody had him, but God had him. Perhaps if people had him, they would say, Moses, what else do you want? Why are you asking for glory again? But Moses knew he had an appetite that must be satisfied. There's something in my soul that must be quenched. As a test I longed for. Show me your glory, O God. Show me your glory, O God. Hallelujah. Everybody said the spirit of glory. Now what happens in the realm of glory? I want to answer that very quickly. What exactly happens? We have agreed from scripture there is a realm of glory. But what happens in that realm? When the spirit of glory comes down, what exactly transpires? The first thing that happens is that the spirit of glory, the realm of glory, is the realm of rest. What we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 14, that says that the priests could not stand to minister because of the weight of the glory, is a principle of rest. It means that in that atmosphere, human performance does not count. Are you listening to me? That's why I told you, in a Holy Ghost party, you can dance for six hours and don't know. <laughs> you will know. The one that Brother Zacchaeus was doing today, I have seen worse scenarios. <laughs> one man, at the end of the church, he danced from the beginning of the service till like four hours after the service. A total of about ten hours. And when they asked him, he said, you're a great dancer. He said, eh? He said, ah, I like the way you were dancing in the street. He said, I don't dance. I've never danced. I don't dance. So they went to play the tape for him. He said, this is you dancing here. He said, now maybe he said, now you they dance like this. And he did it for more than ten hours. And he did not know. <laughs> because in that realm, it's not about human performance. It's not by gra-gra. It's not a giddy. It is by the power of the Holy Ghost. By strength shall no man prevail. That's the realm of rest. The priest could not stand to minister. Some of the demonstrations of the Holy Ghost we saw this morning, nobody was doing it as it were. Nobody laid hands on anybody. It was create a glory atmosphere and then the glory would do its thing by itself. There are realms of faith. There are realms of personal anointing. But there is nothing as strong as the realm of glory. Personal anointing may be strong or weak. Realms of faith may depend on the faith of the recipient. In the realms of glory, even the doubter, the skeptic, will be hit hard. It's not about, I believe. So, in the realms of glory, everybody when they think jam, he jam up. <laughs> I love that realm. The priest planned to minister that day. They were well dressed. Everything was ready. But when they got there, they could do nothing. Woman performance was not permitted. It's a realm of rest. Just like Isaiah chapter 40. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run up with wings as with eagles. They shall run and not faint. They shall walk and not be weary. In the realm of rest, you do not do it by your own ability, so you are not tired. Prayer will be tiring if you don't access the glory realm. Bible reading will be tiring if you don't access the glory realm. Holiness will be tiring if you don't access the glory realm. Many of the things you are trying to do in God, you will, look, you will run out of energy if you don't do it from the realm of glory. And the realm of glory is not your woman effort. You just keep going. You keep going. You keep going. Maybe after you stop, you will not feel tired. Though. But while you are doing it, you keep going. 
is the realm of rest. Look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 5. Amazing story here. Israel walked through the wilderness and just in case they forgot, God reminded them. I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxing old upon you. And your shoe is not waxing old upon your foot. So all the years that the Jews walked in the wilderness, even their shoes, because of the glory, because they were walking under the cloud of glory, their shoes did not get old. It didn't matter whether it was a designer or China. Whether it was made in Abba or made in Ogomo shop, the shoe will not grow old. <laughs> because it was powered by the energy of heaven. What a life. Now if their shoes did not grow old, what do you think happened to their kidneys? Their liver? Their lungs? The realm of glory. When you see Moses at 120, his natural strength did not abate. His eyes were still sharp. It was because he dwelt in glory. He dwelt in glory. Don't be by Eba. Chop glory. You have been chopping Eba all these years. Chop glory. Chop glory. When you chop glory, you will not run in your natural strength. Everybody will say, I am tired. I'm not doing again. I'm giving up. I'm quitting. You will say, We are just starting. Asha Shabere. The realm of glory, it's a realm of rest. What happens in the realm of glory? In the realm of glory, there is glow and decoration from God. There is glow. Everybody say, the glow of his glory. That's a quotable quote. That's also a word of wisdom there. The glow of his glory. The sparkle of his atmosphere. The decoration of heaven. Listen to me. The glory has a glow. It brings a decoration. It brings a beauty. Beyond the tangibility of the cloud of glory, there is an after effect that it leaves on those who come under it. So we read about Moses that his face glittered. And the children of Israel could not look at Moses' face. That's um, somewhere in um, Exodus 34 verse 30. If you read the accounts in 2 Corinthians, you will see the ojoro that Moses did here. It was like an ojoro. And when Aaron and all children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. I like that song. Uh, people, they ask me, say, waiting, they make me shine. I can't, they tell them, say, now nah, Jesus, they make me shine. I'm not talking about using pomade. I'm saying that there is a tangible after effect of the glory of God that can make a man's face shine. And it shone so bright they were afraid to come nigh him. But uh, Second Corinthians chapter 3 teaches us that uh, Moses knew that the glory was fading. So he went to go and wear a veil. So even when the glory had faded, they still thought that it was still there. Ojoro Moses. But our glory does not have to fade. The one of the old covenant faded. The one in the new covenant does not have to fade. 
you can service it as at when due. Are you listening to me? In case you think it's fluke, that maybe it's just Moses, you know, Moses is a special man. Look at it, it happened to Jesus. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 2. Jesus also was under the cloud and was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun. Once you see it twice, you know it's not a coincidence. You know it's a deliberate thing. His face shined as the sun and his raiment, his clothes, was as white as the light. He said, that's Jesus now. Moses and Jesus. Let's go to another one. Acts 6 and verse 15. Stephen. Your face can shine. Not because you put natural pomade. Because you dwelt under the realms of glory. And people will say, Ah. Ah. And it's for it. I'm not talking about a make-believe stuff. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him. Saw his face. It had been the... As, as it had been the face of an angel. Put it in the NLT for me. So that you don't think that I am being deceitful here in the translation or the implication of this verse. Acts chapter 6 and verse 15. At this point, now at what point? Stephen was teaching. He was just teaching. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen. Because his face became as bright as an angel. It happened to Moses. It happened to Jesus. It happened to Stephen. It will happen to you. Yeah. People laugh at you and say, yeah, begin the church. I begin the church. Now, they will now see the impact. Some of you, the stubborn acne will disappear from your face. You have got cream. It's not working. The glory will cure it. I said the glory will cure it. There is an after effect of God's glory on the face of people that come under the cloud. It's real. It's not. It's not you see the scripture. It's real. So the glory of God brings a glow. It brings a decoration. Listen to me. I made up my mind as a young minister. I was going to rely on the decoration of heaven. Every minister in this house is sumptuously dressed. Apostle Duja is wearing a wonderful jacket. Wonderful tie. My wife wearing a wonderful jacket. Minister Self, a wonderful jacket. Myself, a wonderful jacket. But all of these things are obtainable in the world. When we come to church, your decoration must not be your jacket. You must have something more than your jacket. You must have the weight of his glory. I told myself, I'm not going to come to church. And I would say, oh fine, oh package. But, could see power, could see glory, could see I will pay the price for this glory. I will contend, I will labor, I will desire, I will touch it. I will still dress well, though, but you will remember the glory more than you remember the suit. That's the plan. Are you listening to me? Young lady, contend for the glory. Makeup, no go do them all the time. It gets on demons, we no respect makeup. It gets on kings, we no go fall for makeup. In that day, when Esther noticed that the king was no longer interested in her, she knew how to activate the glory. Three days fasting and prayer. She went there, she prayed. She went there, she prayed. And she shut up. The king said, hey, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? The glory was working. When the glory seemingly fades, you have to know how to reactivate. Service again. Fill it up again. The glory brings a decoration. Psalm chapter 19 and verse 17. 
the glory of God, the beauty of God, rest upon us and establish the works of our hands. He says, I let the beauty of the Lord, our God, be upon us. So there's something called the beauty of the Lord our God. There is the beauty of makeup. There is the beauty of human effort. There is the beauty of the Lord our God. And it can come upon us and establish the work of our hands. The beauty of God can come upon your business. The beauty of God will come upon your business. Where people will say, I don't know why I keep going to that place, but I just always like going there. Because there is an influence of the glory. I don't know why I prefer that person amongst many other options. I keep going there like Mumu. There is a glory influence. It establishes the work. There are churches that maybe they are not too... They have so many deficiencies. But people keep going there. There's a glory pulling them. The beauty of the Lord our God. Stop trying... Striving only for natural beauty. Come on. Go, go for something more. Go for something more. Go for something more. The decoration of heaven. Jesus was irresistible in his days because of the glory of God upon his life. The multitudes gathered. They gathered. They gathered. They gathered. Even the people that came to argue with him will still come back. We don't like you, but we are still coming back. We came to argue with you, but we are still coming back. We cannot do without hearing you speak. We cannot do without reading what you write. We are monitoring you. We don't like you, but we are coming back. It's the glory that attracts the beauty of heaven. Are you listening to me? This is how the work of your hands will be established. By the beauty of God be established. By the glory of God be established. In the work of your hands we establish. Number three, what happens in the realm of glory? The realm of glory unveils our true eternal identity. And this happens once in a while. Because the ultimate realm of glory, the realm of immortality, will happen when the age of this present world closes. But once in a while, the Holy Ghost orchestrates encounters that gives us a glimpse of who you really are. My brother, I don't know you. I may think I know you, 22 22 years old, young woman. I may think I know you, intelligent, beautiful, smart, but I don't know you yet. When the glory unveils you, Mr. Gobuma will say, I don't know if she will. I don't know if she will do this kind of thing. I don't know if she will manifest like this. When the glory comes upon a man, it unveils his original identity. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 to 5. Jesus had been with the apostles. He had touched them. There were silent manifestations of the supernatural and miraculous. But on this very day, something strange happened. After six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart. And was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. 
Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles. One for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. And while he yet spoke, behold, a bright cloud. Everybody say bright cloud. Once you see cloud, you know it's glory operations. Overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Now, listen. Jesus had been with the apostles for a while, and it would not be fair to say that they did not really know anything about him. They knew some things about him. I mean, in Matthew 16, I think, or Matthew 18, Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But after this experience, the apostles began to recommend something that they had never recommended before. They began to recommend worship. He said, Let us build three tabernacles. What we have seen today, we have to react by worship. Then Jesus, when they sit down with us, when they chop bread with us, not the ordinary human being, oh. Suddenly, the real identity of Jesus was unveiled. They saw his face, they, sh- they saw his clothes. And guess what? They saw two men. How did they know it was Elijah and Moses? In the glory realm, nothing is conceived. Moses had lived hundreds of years before this time. How did they know his face? When the realm of glory shows up, everybody is open. You know yourself as you really are. How did they know it was Elijah? seen him before in that realm is the atmosphere of heaven you know in heaven you will introduce yourself to anybody you will say my name is Judah can I meet you no in that realm everybody knows everybody there are things to be unveiled in the realms of glory in the realms of glory you don't know yourself you think you know yourself God told Jeremiah before I formed you I ordained you as a prophet Jeremiah looked at himself and said, I'm a child, I cannot speak. Moses said, I'm a stunner, I will not go. But God said, no, I know you. You don't get to introduce yourself to God. Let the glory introduce yourself to you. You don't know yourself. I'm telling you, you don't know yourself. Don't write yourself off yet. Don't define your life yet. After the glory, then you can now begin to say this way Peter had the revelation of the glory of God. Luke chapter 5. By that miracle of the harvest of fishes that Jesus brought his way. And then Jesus says, You used to be a fisherman. But the glory has revealed your real identity. You're not a fisherman. You're a fisher of men. You think you're just a doctor. You think you're just a student. You think you're just a third boy. You think, you think you are just a little girl? The glory will define you accurately. So in the realms of glory, you come into your real identity. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, where it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it means that all have sinned and fallen short of the original identity that God intended for man. Sickness was not supposed to be in the plan. Never in the plan. Not in the budget of God. Fear, not in the budget of God. Death, not in the budget of God. So when man sinned, man fell short of the glory of God. Man dropped in standard. In the realms of glory, you are restored to that standard. 
your real self begins to blossom. The real you that God foreordained before your parents married begins to manifest. That's what happens in the realms of glory. Number four, what happens in the realm of glory? The realms of glory brings a defensive mechanism against the enemy. A defensive mechanism. There are enemies all around. There is a chief enemy, the devil. But there are people who have volunteered to become an enemy. Are you listening to me? They pray to the devil. Devil, use me. Devil, use me. What can I do for you this morning? Who can I destroy? Who can I offend? Who can I attack? You need a covering over your life. Zechariah chapter 2 and verse 5. The Lord said himself, I will be a wall of fire in their midst and a glory round about her. You see, eh, this concept of glory brings defensive structures into your life. It's not just to make your face glow. It's to defend you and shield you from the attacks of the devil. Some people here have been chased night and day by the devil. But after tonight, by virtue of the glory, the enemies that came against you in one way, they will flee in several ways in Jesus' name. Interestingly, Israel walked in the wilderness under that cloud of glory. But well, something I want to bring out in that incident that is very wonderful. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 21 to 23. This was Israel in their wilderness experience. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud. Once you see cloud, you know he's talking about glory. To lead them the, to lead them the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. To go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night, from before the people. In other words, it was a permanent security strategy. Are you listening to me? Next verse. Oh, that's the last verse. Okay. Now, so, you may be wondering, what, 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 what are we using pillar of cloud and pillar of fire for? In the wilderness, now this is very interesting and yet very powerful. The wilderness was a very strange place, of course. The Jews were not used to it. They had been in Egypt all their life. And during the day, the wilderness is very hot. Now, you think this is hot, and it is hot, but compared to the temperature of the wilderness, if you go to Sahara Desert, by 1 p.m., you will understand the importance of trees. You know, some of you don't understand global warming. When they say global warming, you don't understand. What is global warming? The idea is that as long as things like trees and nature are being destroyed, the world will seemingly get hotter or the environment will not be comfortable for mankind. Are we still together? So, in the wilderness, it was very hot. And then God decided that, well, I don't want sun to be beating my people. It was not about the giants. It was not about Pharaoh's army. God was so concerned about the temperature state of his children. He said, put cloud. That could end up put cloud. Maybe they go under AC. <laughs> That's why their clothes did not get old. Are you listening to me? <laughs> and then in the night, it's supposed to be very cold in the wilderness. 
Because I don't want to make court, they catch my people for night. I beg, they give them fire, I make it, they warm them up. Warmer in the night, and then AC in the day. That's how much God cares for you. Now, if you did that just because of temperature, what do you think he would do to the devil? What do you think he wants to do to demons? Ah! I know your father, I know your daddy. He cares about you. The pillar was not just to protect them from serpents and scorpions, but heat, cold. God said, I, don't, I want them to be fresh. <laughs> you can be in a wilderness and still be fresh. <laughs> because there's a supernatural cloud of glory. <laughs> Are you listening to me? <laughs> it's a protective influence. You don't have to run from Satan. You don't have to hide from demons. Just install the glory. Install the glory. When the glory is installed, now as Israel walked past, the other nations observed them from a distance. And they saw the pillar. They saw the cloud and the fire. And the thing, you know, they take break. This policeman, you know, they sleep on duty. This soldier, you know, they go and leave. The pillar, they did the always. They did not have the guts to attack them. If those people leave them, I don't know the country whether they worship. See, I the fire just for that. Who they carry the fire? Who they burn the fire? The fire not the finish. <laughs> the enemy could dare not come close. When the glory is strong, there are certain things that if you make mistake and come, it will run in a way that other people will know that something they chase. Are you listening to me? <laughs> Number five here. Yeah, what happens in the realms of glory? In the realms of glory, there are signs, wonders, and most importantly, creative miracles. By creative miracles, I mean that God dispenses certain giftings that are already made for you, for your need, and it just installs them instead of repairing the former one. Somebody went to heaven in a vision and then she got there and she noticed that there were several body parts. See, kidney there, lungs there, heart there, lungs. Ah, he's not, as what, what are they doing? Oh, it's for people that need it on the earth. Whenever somebody makes a demand in faith, we release it. We install a brand new one. Are you listening to me? For some of you, after this service, you will notice that that part of your head that has been bowed is beginning to grow again. It's a creative miracle of the glory of God. That patch that you always use cap to cover, you will notice that it begins to grow again. Because although the cells they have destroyed, the creative influence of the glory of God will resurrect it. Are you listening to me? Shout Amen! John chapter 11 and verse 4. They told Jesus about the death of Lazarus. He said, this death is not... This sickness... They told him about the sickness of Lazarus. He said, this sickness is not to death. It is to the glory of God. John chapter 11 and verse 40. He told the sister of Lazarus, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Creative miracles. Creative miracles. Happens by the realms of glory. Of course, the realms of glory also brings about a repair. And the sense is that because the glory is the atmosphere of heaven, when the atmosphere of heaven comes 
everything that is not up to the standard of heaven, that atmosphere begins to correct it. Begins to correct it. So a kidney is bad and the atmosphere of heaven comes. The atmosphere of heaven does not like anything that is bad. Are you listening to me? In heaven, there is no depression. So when the atmosphere of heaven comes and it meets somebody depressed, ah, no, 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 yeah, take joy, take joy. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. Take it. When the atmosphere makes contact with anything that is not compatible, in heaven, you're going to have perfect bodies, perfect souls. So it comes and gives you a glimpse of that reality. Everybody say the spirit of glory. Number six, I think. What happens in the realms of glory? There is transformation. Change of form and figure in the spirit of glory by the realms of glory. In that day, Matthew 17, when the, the apostles looked at Jesus, his clothes began to shine. It was transformed. There was no dry cleaner around. There was no hypo industry. It had to be the influence of a supernatural force. The glory of God transforms. Now listen to me, many of us here. We have been in church circles for many years. But you can say, things have not really changed. <laughs> Some of us here have been this way in the last five years. Until the people become exposed to the tangible realm of glory, there will be no change. Are you listening to me? They can hear sermons. Until a sermon is preached from the realm of glory, the sermon will not affect the transfiguration. They can hear songs. Until a song is sung from the cloud of glory, that song will not provide any change in the hearers. They will make prayers until prayers are said in the atmosphere of glory, that prayer will not affect any transformation. So your change in life is a function of how often you expose yourself to the realms of glory. Second Corinthians 3.18 All of us with open faces, beholding as in the glass the glory of God. We are changed from one level of glory to another by the Spirit of God. It's the glory realm that can alter situations. Are you listening to me? Alter situations. Minds will not be changed in church because we yell and we threaten to punish and we castigate and we condemn. Minds will be changed when people experience the glory. We can beg you from now to next year to do certain things until you touch certain glory realms, you will just not change. The glory is what brings change. When people touch the glory, they change. On their own accord, they just change. Change direction, change their mind, change perspective, change lifestyle, change behavior. Change! By the glory. Alright, 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 alright. Let me tie this teaching up here. How exactly does the glory of God come? What can you do to, as it were, position yourself for the glory of God? What can you do? Is there a password? Is there a code? Is there something that you can do? As an individual, is there something we can do? As a church, is there something we can do? As the body of Christ, to 
receive greater measures of the glory of God. I'll mention about four things here. But I want to, first of all, remind you of a pattern we see in the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 40, the glory of God came upon a tabernacle. Is that not so? Moses finished the work and the glory of God came. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 14, the glory of God came upon a temple. Solomon finished the work and the glory of God came. Alright. But there is also something you should note as a New Testament believer. That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. According to 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? So because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. This glory concept is not just a public gathering concept. It can be a personal lifestyle concept. Are you listening to me? Personal lifestyle concept. However, let me put this in the amplified. Do you have the amplified? Because some of you look at this scripture and you do not understand the whole picture. Know you know that your body or that you are that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now, look at how it says it in the amplified. Do you not discern and understand that the whole church at Corinth? Everybody say the whole church. So you don't get to read that kind of a thing and say, I am the church. I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. I don't need to go to church. <laughs> understand what we are saying here. The whole church at Corinth, and God's temple is sanctuary. And that God's spirit has his permanent, everybody say permanent. Permanent dwelling in you. To be at home in you. Collectively as a church and also individually. And that's the whole picture. Are we still together? Everybody say the spirit of glory. Now, there is a very sad lesson in First Samuel chapter 4. First Samuel chapter 4, the children of Israel were going to fight a battle against the Philistines. And then the Philistines beat them shaggy. And so Israel gathered together and said, what can we do? How can we salvage our name and the name of our God? And they said, let's fight with the ark. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So Israel said, How are we going to salvage this situation? And they decided to go and carry the ark of God, which was the very presence of God, or you can say, which was the glory of God. And they brought it to the battlefront. And in the day the Philistines saw that the ark of God was brought, they began to be afraid. Ah! So I bow out. Ark of God came. This issue. Somebody cannot even play with you again. Ark of God from soldier to soldier fight. Hey! 
Because they are head of the cloud and the fire. They are head of the weight of God's glory. They are head. Israel had history. <laughs> but suddenly they said, well, if we die, we die here now. Let's start fight. And then they fought. And they beat Israel and seemingly beat the ark. In the day that the priest, Eli, heard that news, he fell down flat and died. He heard that the ark of God, the very symbol of God's glory was captured. But the priest says, he fell down flat and died. And then his daughter-in-law was pregnant at that point, was at the point of delivery. She gave birth to a child and she called the child Ichabod. For the glory has departed. It's a sad story. A sad story. But what is the lesson here? The lesson here is that you can be the temple of God and it will not show. If you don't know what to do. The ark was the ark. When they took it to the land of the Philistines, they began to dance. They have captured the ark. Then they slept and they woke up. <laughs> and they noticed that their own God, the ark of God had commanded their God to fall down and destroyed it. So they say, if you fluke, Jared, make wait first. The next day, the thing happened again. Ah! By the time the ark was done, several people had died. So the Philistines, they borrowed sense. They said, you could return the thing to you where the thing belong. But don't return empty handed, do carry sacrifice of mercy. The ark could fight for itself. The ark does not need a soldier to defend it. Yes, in that day, it was captured. You are the temple of God, not true. But do you know temple culture that facilitates the realms of glory? There's temple culture. There's temple culture. There's temple behavior. There's temple attitude that allows the glory to be at full measures. The ark of God captured. A ridiculous thing. And for many Christians, it's like that. Demons oppressing the temple of the Holy Ghost. Why? Why? Because God's people have not learned temple culture. There's temple culture. The first thing I want to say in this direction is this. Your commitment to the local church is very fundamental to experiencing the glory of God. Very, very fundamental. People don't know this. And like I said, you can read First Corinthians, what well, Second Corinthians, First Corinthians three sixteen, and say, "I am the church. I am the temple of God." But you don't know what you're saying. You don't know what you're saying. When you read it from the amplifier, you now understand it's a collective thing. It's a together thing. The cloud often showed up in the Old Testament at the gathering of the saints, not necessarily. In the presence of one person. Are you listening to me? The cloud of glory has a preference for the body. Not for individuals. Let me say that again. The cloud of glory has a preference. In the day Jesus was going to be transfigurated and experienced the glory cloud, he brought three people witness. It's not something I should experience alone. It's not befitting if I experience it alone. Your commitment to the local church the glory offers security, protection, yes. Your commitment to the local church is a temple culture that you must learn. 
Your attitude in the local church. Some of you, your attitude is very poor. The choir is singing, lift your hands to God. You are looking at me. Your attitude is poor. Imagine in Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 14, we read. The Bible says, and they sang with one voice. And the voice of the trumpet was as one. Hundreds of trumpeters blowing as one. Imagine one person now saying, I don't blow, Jerry. We don't blow this money. What's You spoil the entire thing. Temple culture. Temple culture. Orderliness and unity. Temple culture. People don't know this. They don't know it. They now say, I don't know why things are happening to me. What's your commitment like to the temple of God? Not in an individualistic sense, but in terms of the local church. What's your commitment like? What's your commitment like? This generation has very, very little understanding of temple culture. Our fathers knew it a little bit. They came to church with reverence. 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 There was a sense of awe. They sang and danced and praised, yes, but there was a sense of awe. When they left their house and they were going to church, they were just going to a casual religious meeting. They felt like they were going to the very presence of God. When did you come to church and it, it happened in your heart that I am going to the presence of God? When last did you come to church like that? Temple culture is missing. We just come, man. Look, see what you need to do for there today. Ha! That's why the glory realms are diminishing by the day. Let's go back to the basics. Let's, go. Let's understand what it means to reference God in silence. To acknowledge His presence. To act as if He's alive because He's alive. Temple culture. Temple culture. Do you know how to behave in the temple of God? Israel's ark was captured. Ah! Why? Eli and his children were running riot, immorality everywhere. So God let them know, okay, I will show you that this is how to defile your atmosphere. You pollute and corrupt the potency of the glory when you do this. Every Christian has an anointing that acts like a cloud when we gather together. You bring your cloud, I bring my cloud. We bring our clouds and then we have a cloud of glory and then we have an outpour, an overflow of glory because everybody brought his own cloud. Do you understand me? And that cloud is supposed to flow in permanent sequencing so that there is no break. So if it's going like around in circles, there must be no break that stops the flow. That's why administering the local church is the most difficult spiritual work. Because you must get everybody to be on the same page most times. When there were one voice, blew the trumpet, Second Chronicles 5 verse 14, then the glory for One voice. One voice. Another temple culture you must learn is consecration. It's the temple of God. What are you going to do with it? Do you know that even in the natural physical temple, there are some things that may be legal but not appropriate to do? In church, are we still together? Ha! Let me give an example. This is a difficult example, but I will give it all the same. 
if I have, if I want to do, if I want to do, I want to do a relaxation atmosphere here. There are things that I can do. But there are things that I must be careful about. For instance, if I bring a movie, I just movie, let's just watch a movie, alright? Three people of God is not only about prayer and fasting, let's watch a movie together. And the movie has a sexual scene. Just 30 seconds of it. And I watch it in church. Now, you don't know what you have done. <laughs> and, and for some of you, actually, this even applies to your personal lives. You don't know what you have done to this atmosphere. Because we will come here and pray, Oh God, move in this service. Oh God, let your glory fall here. And then we now bring something that is not appropriate. There is a consecration befitting of the temple of God. So, in the temple of God in those days, even ordinary Jews could not enter the temple. If you are not a priest, no, no triangle. Ark, they go. They see one touch him. He won't touch Ark. The guy died. There is a consecration of the temple. But I made you. I was only going to help the Ark. Every temple has its consecration. Are you listening to me? Where the temple of God, what's your consecration? Do you go to every place, do anything, dance to anything, hear anything? If that's your life, the Philistines will capture you, even though you are the ark of God. The Philistines will capture, will capture you. Even though you are the ark of God. Another temple culture, worship. In the temple, we worship. When as the temple of the Holy Ghost, your mouth is filled with murmuring and complaining and oh, ah, ah. what happens is that you are not giving full manifestation to the glory of God. You worship, you give thanks, you praise God, you have an attitude of gratitude. That is temple culture. Let me rush here. If you are going to experience the glory of God, if the glory of God will come in greater measures, we must also do what the Bible refers to as beholding. Second Corinthians three eighteen. All of us with open faces beholding. Beholding. You become what you behold. You manifest what you behold. You express what you behold. When I say behold it, what is on your mind, my brother? I know you're in church. But what's on your mind? What's on your mind? Does God have your attention? Does God have your attention? If he's whispering, will you still hear? If he's shouting, will you still be clear? Does God have your attention? What's on your mind? Colossians 3 and verse 1. Set your affections you are risen in Christ. If you are risen in Christ, set your affections on things above. Verse 2 and 3. Set your affections, put your mind on things above. Things above. Eternal things. The average Christian exposes his or her mind to so many natural things, so many secular things, so many carnal things, and we expect glory. We will become what we behold. 
one of the reasons this generation is very, very little of glory is because television, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So many options to behold. Our fathers only had newspaper, and now on a purpose, we get money. I read you. We, we have so many options. And we keep looking, we keep watching, we keep looking, we keep watching. And we keep imbibing the glory of this earth. For you to experience the glory of the heavens, you will have to behold the glory of the heavens. Look at it. To look at scriptures. To look at God in worship. To spend time with Him. Just contemplating His royal majesty. That's how you behold. One last point here. If we are going to experience the glory, there must be desperation for for the glory. Desperation for the glory. Are you a desperado? A glory desperado? Or are you say, eh, mole manager, show up, Have you ever wept? Just say, God, show me your glory. Do you know what it is to hunger someone for the glory? You forgot to eat. Have you ever been there? The word glory in the Greek, boxer, means essence, value, worth. If you have no worth for the glory of God, you will scarcely experience it. And you may experience it on a general level if the glory cloud comes in your direction. But to express it on a personal level for personal protection, for personal transfigurations, you will need to have value for it. Look at what Moses said in Exodus 33 and verse 14. to verse 12, maybe it's 12, or where it says, if you do not go with me. Alright, verse 15. So he said unto him, that is Moses talking to God, if your presence does not go with me. Why is this giving me? Okay. If thy presence go not with me, Carry us not up hence. In other words, we are not going to move without your glory. Do you know what it is to say, I'm not being ministry without glory? Ah, but you can preach me, oh, We have to get a point where we say, We are not singing without glory. Ah, but the voice is everything said. No. If glory will not come, we're not singing. Desperate. We are not starting service without glory. Ah, but it's already 8 o'clock. If glory will not come, we will not start. Desperate. Where you tie your movements to the glory. Are you listening to me? When the pillar stops, you stop. Ah, manifest. Do something. I'm not going to be without the pillar. The pillar of fire, not the pillar of cloud, not there. Not it's too dangerous. You are doing too many things without the glory of God. You are doing academics, doing relationships, doing marriage without the glory of God. Ah, you will look like this. You must go to the person and say, Now, like this, I go sit down until glory will come. I don't go move. Moses said, If your glory does not go with us, if your presence does not go with us, eh, no problem. Now we'll stay here. 
This place has no body. But to go without your presence, without your glory, I'm not going. How desperate are you? Or do you have alternatives to the glory? Do you have alternatives? Me, I have no alternative. There is nothing in my natural human self that is worth listening to. I don't have the theological education of the superstar preacher. I don't have the connection of the average young minister. I don't get spiritual sugar daddy. Now only God I get. If he doesn't show up for me, I don't lose. Nobody responds me. Now only God I get. When you get to that point, when you get to that point, stand to your feet. Let's pray. Stand to your feet. Let's sing the song. And then from there we'll post into prayers. Nigga, come. I prefer your glory. We'll sing it a couple of times and then we'll post into prayers. Go back to the verse. You can sing along if you know the song already. There are treasures in this world. There are trophies too. There is wealth in all the earth. There is so much to be loved. There are goodies all around. There are pleasures that are bound. There are riches of this life. There are gems with God. There are treasures in this world. There are treasures in this world. There are trophies to be won. There are trophies to be won. There is wealth in all the earth. There is wealth in all the earth. There is so much to be loved. There is so much to be loved. There are goodies all around. There are goodies all around. There are pleasures that are bad.
just develop hunger. Now, listen. In prayers concerning, now please listen a bit concerning the realms of glory, you may see strange things. Now, you may see gold dust. And it will actually, you will see it. It's not, I'm not saying it's a vision. You will see that there is gold dust on your body. Are you listening to me? It's heavenly materiality. That is just. So when you read in the Bible that the streets of heaven are gold, you will not doubt. You will not doubt. You know, there was a day that I experienced like gold dust on my body. And I know that I did not spray that on myself. It is just the spirit of glory. Do you understand me? Strange things. Strange things. <laughs> I've seen people pray like this. And when they open their mouth, they notice one of their teeth was golden. It will transform you. There are habits that will break once the glory shows up. There are cycles that will stop once the glory shows up. The glory will unveil your true identity.
We trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedbacks. You can send us a mail at judamaye at yahoo.com. That is J-U-D-A-H-M-A-Y-E at yahoo.com. Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.